Hello, this is Kevin Baxter with NCEA Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am the Chief Innovation Officer for the National Catholic Educational Association and uh, glad to be uh, continuing with our endeavor uh, in the podcast world. Today, uh, I am blessed and we're all blessed to have Kristen Dixon with us. Kristen is the superintendent of schools in the Archdiocese of Seattle. And so we're going to talk a little bit about leadership and uh, especially uh, during this time uh, with the coronavirus pandemic and how it's impacting uh, Catholic schools across the U.S. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much. Last week, we were on a Zoom call with superintendents, and you made a comment that's been really powerful for me uh, as I've reflected on on where we are with regard to this current crisis, current current impact of, of where we are with schools being shut down. And you, you made a statement that you are choosing not to focus on what might be dying uh, during this process, but rather what might be trying to be born. And so I'm curious about how you're thinking about that now, and, and what are you seeing during these first few weeks uh, of where we are with regard to Catholic schools and, and what they might be learning about through this process? I really am focusing on that statement, and it might be because my, my husband happens to be a hospice nurse, and uh, I've always called him a midwife, a midwife to the next place where we're, where we're all trying to go, heaven. And so I'm trying to think about that in light of what we're going through right now, as opposed to thinking about it as a, a death. We will look different, but what is it, how is it that we're going to look different on the other end of this? And no one knows you know, the time frame for it. So every day we're learning. We're learning all kinds of things as we go through this together. But one thing that I, I'm thinking about a lot is how this is forcing us to collaborate better. It's forcing us to take the words of Pope Francis and to be in the same boat rowing together. And I see it as a huge opportunity for us to be thinking about the other, thinking about those that are on the margins. And when I say those that are on the margins, I'm talking about those schools that are on the margins, those schools that have under 100 students or hovering around that. What is, what is God calling us to do to help support those schools? Or how can they reemerge on the other end of this in a different way? So different models that we're, we're considering are what, what we've heard about across the country are, you know, early learning centers. Could it be that um, some students learn better virtually? And so could we do some different combinations of virtual and, and brick and mortar? We're, we're just learning about students and the need for relationships and the need for teachers to have relationships as well. When you think about our church, our church is very, very relationship-driven and very touch-driven. When you think about all the sacraments, they involve touch. And so how do we recreate that in this new virtual world? And it is a learning opportunity. And as opposed to a death knell, I just want to continue to think about that as, as an opportunity for growth in a different way. Uh, do I have a, an answer for that specifically? Nope. Not right now, but we're, we're sure, certainly playing with a lot of different ideas. That's great. I think none of us have the answers now, but I think posing the right questions helps to put us in the right frame of mind. And I've heard from a few different folks across the country about that idea of community and how important that is, not just for Catholic schools, for our Catholic church. And the fact that we don't have churches, you know, in operation right now in person. And so your, your point about touch and sacramental kind of connection and and just that social connection I think is just so 
so important and and so um, vital. How have uh, leaders in Seattle, principals and vice principals, really um, responded to this, and and how are they overcoming those challenges that were were faced with moving to this remote uh, style of learning? I don't think anybody two weeks ago really understood what this all meant. We saw it coming, but we sort of didn't really understand the whole impact of what was happening. I will say that right before this event, right before the governor closed our schools, we had a day in service already planned, and some people had taken two days in service, and we had a lot of different learning opportunities, professional development opportunities scheduled for our teachers, and it suddenly became, nope, we're hunkering down, and we are going to look at remote learning, and how are we going to do this, and making those learning plans. So they jumped right in. So I, I first of all, I just want to lift up those teachers that have have really um, lifted the very heavy weight of changing their their mode of teaching and uh, the delivery is completely different. They're relying on one another, help support what they're doing, what they're learning. So they're learning right along with their students how to how to best do this. It's frustrating because I don't think they feel like they have enough time in the day to do everything that they're being asked to do, but they continue on. So. I just want to do a big shout out to those teachers that are just, and I hear it from our teachers in our archdiocese, and I hear it across the country that people are just so impressed with the Catholic school teachers that are just, they're doing the next right thing. They're just picking up and they're they're trying to connect with their students in many different ways that we've seen evidenced in uh, Instagram and social media and the various ways that they're connecting. Principals have done a remarkable job of supporting them, but I did want to start with those teachers. So principals have, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, we've scheduled a 30-minute phone call, um, Zoom conference, uh, every morning. It's from 7.30 to 8. really is very organic in terms of what our, our principals are sharing with one another. What we've learned in this whole time is, through this collaboration, that no one person has the ultimate wisdom that it's the shared wisdom that uh, we're able to identify what those best practices are. If they have a specific question that's you know related to policies, we certainly can uh, hammer down and, and find this, uh, the answer for them. But truly, they are collaborating and finding best practices that work for, for the group. They question one another on the ch- in the chat rooms, um, and they, they talk amidst one another. We are there just to shepherd that call. To me, it's, it's the, it is the big silver lining from this whole coronavirus. We're seeing principals really relying on one another so much more than I've ever seen in the past. So that's one thing that we're doing. Um, so building those relationships are, are so important. We're also sharing resources. So we have a Trello board, actually, um, T-R-E-L-L-O, if you haven't heard about that. And we've got resources posted on this Trello board for the, the principals and also for the teachers. And again, it's just the collection of the wisdom that we're learning. So links, various resources that people have discovered. We're providing that kind of collection site. And I think a lot of dioceses are doing this. We're also really trying to reach out to chancery partners to help support uh, the schools and what's going on, the schools and parishes. We recognize that the health of the parishes um, also uh, is contributing to the, to the life of the school. And so any way that we can help support the parishes is, is something that we've been talking about in the morning. Um, for instance, Holy Week, how are we celebrating Holy Week and how are we inviting in 
uh, parishioners to help celebrate with us. If we're doing the Stations of the Cross, how are we making sure that we can connect with the parishes uh, to provide that kind of spiritual support? Um, and also just help for um, parishioners to feel connected again, uh, to feel those relationships. We're also looking at just the legal ramifications of what all this means. Um, and we're developing those in real time. And last but not least, I think one of the biggest uh, connections that we've made um, and the most important connection that we continue to foster is our partnership with the Fulcrum Foundation. The foundation helps um, leverage support for Catholic schools in our archdiocese through tuition assistance, um, through uh, uh, leadership development, and through school support, specifically uh, school, schools in need support. And all those programs help support our schools, but it's really taking a very targeted approach in this time of this virus. So we're trying to collect data so that not only are we really aware of what, what the needs are, but we can be very strategic in that in the development of the plan for, for Fulcrum. So we know that we need to help support families uh, because we've heard from families that uh, tuition is going to be hard in the next couple months. How do we retain those families? And so we're trying to develop a plan to help support them, but we're also looking at just um, what would be the most targeted approach that we could use to help support the schools at this time. That's great. Thank you. Um, and just so you know, uh, I think you, um, I was talking, starting with principals, but absolutely had the teachers in there, and I'm so glad you started with them. And I agree with you 100% that what has been amazing for me to see um, again, social media and in my conversations with people around the country is just how responsive uh, teachers have been. To, you know, it's literally having a challenge and they just dive in and, and take it on and, and, and just go for it. And um, just remarkable what's being shared and what's uh, what, what people are able to do. And so that's just humbling and inspiring, I think, for people who are, you know, superintendents or, or doing kind of the work I do with NCEA, just seeing just how dedicated they are. I also loved what you said about the shared wisdom, I think, especially in times of uncertainty, like we're in right now. Um, it just is a really stark reminder that, of course, nobody has all the answers, that we are reliant uh, and reliable, you know, reliant on each other to bring ideas forward. So, when you have those opportunities to share with others and it's really just about listening and saying, you know, what are you doing and what's your, you know, what are your, what are your strategies and, and just being open to all those possibilities, I think is, is tremendous. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. We've talked a lot about, uh, not a lot, but we've talked about the positives and, and things you're seeing and, and those hopeful signs. Uh, and you've alluded to some of these, but what are the fears? What, what, what are you fearful of or, or what do you see are the challenges maybe on the horizon with regard to, uh, to where we are currently? And I don't even mean just within the Archdiocese of Seattle, but, but kind of wider for Catholic schools. Well, as I said, I think we're going to come out of this looking um, different. We can be afraid of that, or we can try to embrace it, which is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Every day I wake up and pray that we can just embrace this. Um, but I think one of the biggest fears that principals have is, you know, how long can they hang in there? Are they going to lose families? The families have, have been so um, appreciative of everything that the teachers are doing, but we worry about how long will this last? You know, how long can parents continue to uh, educate their children at home, have that expectation for them, and hold down a job, or not have uh, a steady income coming in. What What is the stress level? So 
something we haven't really talked about this morning is just the mental health that we're concerned about our teachers, our principals, um, our families. Um, how, how just, how is everybody doing? And the question is, um, you know, what happens if somebody gets sick? What's our backup plan? Um, so we're, we're developing those as we go. That is certainly a fear that was expressed during one of our morning calls. Another thing that they, I think they're, they're fearful of, and we, we hear this and feel it is along with them, is if people start to um, say, you know what, if we don't go back, which you know we're wondering about that this year, then what does the fall look like? And how, how would we navigate that? How would we navigate starting in this virtual world uh, ending in the virtual world and then starting in the virtual world. How would that look? Uh, something that the high school principals have really expressed quite a bit is uh, the concern that we have for our seniors and all the special events that happen at the end of the year. And you could say that's true for the eighth graders as, as well as they graduate from elementary Catholic schools. But th that, you know, the whole, um, the rites of pas passage that we've established that uh, kids look forward to. I think there's just this very, uh, there's a collective grief across across our, our uh, world right now about what was and what is now, especially since we don't have that really clearly in mind what that is. So, you know, I think um, more than anything, if they knew that families could hang in there with them, that we could develop these um, together, these new rites of passage and rituals together, but they're just worried that people are going to get fatigued and uh, the fatigue is going to lead to people withdrawing. And again, it's the value. I think we talked about that last week on our call with the superintendents is, is what is the value of Catholic schools in this virtual world? And so really stressing the value of our faith and that we're really relying on that faith. How do we feed and nurture that with one another in this time? Um, that's, that's been a, um, a concern. For folks, we're working on new new ways of expressing that faith virtually again. But I I just think it's the it's the fatigue, it's the mental health, it's the the fear of of the unknown. And I I really I don't I'm trying to not use that fear word because I just feel I I feel like it's more of we just open our arms and embrace that unknown so that we can really move forward confidently. But again, it's we're on very uncertain ground right now. So trying to establish our foothold, it, we just don't have it. But we have it when we talk with one another. We feel it. We feel it when we have that time together. We feel, okay, we can do this. So just continuing to try and, and uh, establish those relationships. That there's, there's a lot of fear trying to change that into, okay, <laughs> so what's the next right thing to do? I think that pretty much covers everything that we've been, yeah. we've been talking about. Absolutely. I don't know, and I don't know if you've read any of Brene Brown, but I, yeah. as you were talking, I think a lot about her talk about fear and confronting fear is about being open to vulnerability, and and that's where courage comes from, and that's where growth comes from, and so it's a. Uh, I agree with you about that word. I think it's also something we need to just embrace, and um, you know, something I was hearing uh, when you were talking about value and burnout because that's one of my big concerns is um is that we've done really really well but in some ways it's kind of a weird word to use but we're in a little bit of a honeymoon phase with this that we've we've dived in and we've done well and we feel excited about it but 
there's no end. We don't know the end point. We, uh, to your point, you know, about maybe not being back this school year. I think uh, I know Arizona, I think in Kansas have both already done that. They've already canceled their years and obviously uh, probably will happen in other places as well. And so how do we think about community and value and what Catholic schools can offer um, and not simply think that our value has to be in doing six classes a day or six sessions a day or teaching for five hours a day or, you know, or, or doing these kind of these things. Can we think about in new ways of bringing value to Catholic schools that we can share with principals and teachers? And so um, we can start to think about that. It's obviously never going to be the same thing as being in person and in relationship with, with individuals, but but thinking about ways that we can we can do that. So I think that's that's really powerful. And the last thing I want to you t- you mentioned the Fulcrum Foundation, and um, and we were together in the fall at the Seton uh, Symposium, where you graciously were a panel member, and you talked a lot about the leadership program that they helped to uh, support in the Archdiocese of Seattle. And so just and 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 obviously funders are are very very important at this time. But with the economy where it is, you know we're we're worried about the downside effects of that on philanthropy. But how do you see uh, supporters of Catholic schools? You can talk specifically about Fulcrum, but but really in general, how should they be viewing their giving? Because there are um, I have seen schools who have tried to think about this in parishes about how do we maybe get philanthropy like donations, but but how does a church, for example, ensure that the Sunday collection continues so that they're not totally, um, we're worried about parents seeing tuition values, but how do we help maybe support those families who are losing their jobs, but don't want to li- have their child leave the Catholic school? And, and what are stories we can tell or ways we can kind of frame this so that folks um, can maybe come and, uh, and support what we're trying to do? And I think Fulcrum's done a really good job of trying to find those stories and not trying. They're doing it. They're finding stories of students who are out there who have made a difference in the world and have been recipients of, of the Fulcrum generosity. So I think it's it's an opportunity to change the world one student at a time. I really I really believe that. Can't, I, can't, I, I think it was Parker Palmer who said that, you know, the world that we that our children that our children experience today is the world that they're going to grow and develop tomorrow. So I see that as a huge challenge to me uh, as a, you know, what are we doing with this point in time that our children are learning so that they don't either repeat it or don't repeat it in the future. So what is it that we can do to help our donors understand that these, these kids are, um, this is the change agent for the, for the world in the future. I want them to make good decisions going forward and uh, good faith-filled decisions uh, about the world, uh, respect for the earth, respect for one another. The value in it is just communicating what our students are doing moving forward. As they graduate from college, what, where are they? I mean, you know, multiple stories of Catholic school kids that are really doing some amazing work in our world. And I, I feel like the Fulcrum Foundation is capturing that and uh, wanting to make sure that the donors understand that uh, their dollars go to help support individual students, but they're also going to help find those leaders. I'm, I'm telling you, our, our theme this year, little did we know when we chose it in the fall, is hashtag Be Courageous 19. Little did we know back in uh, the summer that this was going to be a 
a year of truly being courageous. And those leaders, and I would include teachers in this too, but we're, we're all setting our, our foot out there to, to be courageous in this time of un, unknown uncertainty. The leaders that uh, Fulcrum supports, they're the ones that are really in this uncertain time taking the, the helm of that ship and saying, you know what, we're going to be okay. And we just need to do the next right thing, just take one step at a time, keeping, keeping an eye on the future for sure, but helping calm the waters right now and helping our parents know that they've made good decisions to be enrolled in the school, to check on kids, but also our donors, making sure that those donors understand uh, the importance of their dollar at this time and what that means, especially in, in light of the fact that their dollars may be less to give but boy, the impact um, is going to be phenomenal. The Fulcrum Foundation has been such a great partner for us, especially at this uncertain time. And, uh, and I think we have to just continue to think through those great questions that you've posed about you know, what's trying to be born and how do we create value and how do we ensure that that value is there and, and we can maintain the value over what might be a, a, well, what is an uncertain time frame. I think as long as we do that, then we have to trust, obviously trust in our faith, but trust that people who support us will want to continue to support the great work that's happening uh, in Catholic schools. Kristen, I just want to thank you so much, most of all, for your work, uh, for the great leadership that you provide uh, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, and for all the uh, wonderful wisdom that you've shared today with us. Uh, and of course, we keep you in our prayers moving forward, and uh, look forward to maybe uh, doing this again at some point down the line to see how things are going. So thanks so much. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been fun. And this is NCA Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.